So welcome to the Seekers Trend Podcast. Uh, today's episode is going to be kind of the second Q&A episode we've done. Uh, so Gurf has a giant list of questions. We're going to try and produce a giant list of answers. <laughs> this is uh, just kind of finishing off the questions that we got the last day. Picking out some little belters and hopefully giving some gems. Hit with the first one, Gurf. Good day, lads. What's the recommended recovery period between heavy squat sessions? Oh. So, if anyone has been reading the Q&As on my Instagram story, and obviously squats feature heavily in the favorite questions, I usually recommend, and we usually recommend, and most of our programs usually recommend, is about two days a week. Yeah. So, almost... Without fail, no matter how you do your two days a week, you'll still have enough time to recover. So yeah. even if you do like two days in a row, you're still getting a lot of recovery time between one. So two is always a good number. For most people, you don't need to squat more than twice a week, I think. No, I think definitely not. So I think if you had to give it a number, I would give three to four days. Three days max, or three days minimum for almost everyone. Yeah. Like, I'm pushing my squat very hard at the moment. Yeah. And two days a week is definitely going to be optimal for that i think people think more is better but definitely for squatting and definitely for deadlifting more is not always better yeah like if you have the general motor pattern of a squat nailed in mm-hmm. and the kind of you're looking for a physiological adaptation mm-hmm. you're gonna to have to just take your time take your rest days definitely if you're trying to gain weight while doing it mm-hmm. uh two days a week should be loads yeah the squat like nobody ever asked the question how many, like, can I deadlift every day? Do you know that's yeah. the thing? Like, and people inherently know that deadlifting every day is not sexy, but it's also, they know it's dumb. <laughs> you know that kind of way? Yeah. Like, people know that it's it's just a dumb idea. Or no one asks, can I bench every day? Or can I strict press every day? I think, like... I don't know why people give the squat that kind of leeway. Yeah. It's just romanticized as the squat every day, go get after it. That's John Bro's fault. Yeah. He started that. I remember that article came out in bodybuilding.com. And, like... Back when people used to go read articles and stuff. Yeah, but the the back in my day, the argument that was given for that was right. The gun that if I was on a desert island and I had to squat, no, I had to no. make a twenty kilo PB. No, it wasn't. to get off it. Do you know what the argument was? What he said if someone had your family held hostage, had a gun to their head. Oh yeah, yeah. Said you two months, said uh, fifty pounds or whatever. He said to your squat, yeah. what would you do? It's quite every day. I wouldn't take absolutely boatloads of gear <laughs> just literally as much as you could possibly take gain as much body weight as possible yeah do a lot of accessory work yeah and then squat probably three times a week like i am currently squatting every day but so but you're not trying to drive your squat it's not the most optimal way no. to bring my squat up but it's these the best way for me in my situation yeah like uh, you, clear for me to be have better legs for weightlifting. Yeah, but it, like you're in no way pushing your squat. You are pushing snatches, pushing clean and jerks, pushing better technique, and your squat is just an accessory movement. Like my well, I am pushing my squat, but I'm pushing it back to where it was, so it's not the same it's thing. Not, no, like even though let's say like I did two forty for single there last week. Yeah, that's the first time I'd gone over two twenty in four months, I think. Yeah, so. Pushing back to where you are, let's even though it might feel hard, 
it's still relative low to your body that's been yeah. fairly easy before you know and it doesn't matter how long before it's been mm-hmm. obviously like the shorter the distance easier it'll get to be to get back but like retraining will always be very very different from training in the first place retraining is probably some of the most fun training if it's going well yeah because it's easier and you understand your body so well yeah joe like you know how long it takes you know what that adaptation curve should be mm-hmm. you know when you can push it you know when you'll have to hold off and you also know what's coming down the road in three four five weeks one thing squatting every day has helped a lot with is my front squat always feels just tight it feels good like it always feels unless i'm really tired obviously yeah but the movement always feels really like really i don't want to say dial in because i hate that phrase but maybe it always feels like fairly strong and yeah like even more so than the back squat so obviously the loads are obviously a lot less in the not a lot less but less on the front squats and uh, that's part of the reason i'm doing it as well for weight of thing is to have the front squat just yeah i think there's a big advantage for you to squat every day is that you're constantly like neurologically primed Mm-hmm. so you're always used to firing your cns mm-hmm. like it's it's never a shock no and your recovery protocols are very very dialed in mm-hmm. like you know you're recovering fully in between each day you're not coming in ever beat up you're never really really sore except when you try to do hamstring work <laughs> <laughs> i uh before so i have done very little front squats and driven my back squat up a lot and yeah. then hit a front squat pb but it was almost entirely useless for my clean and jerk, <laughs> which is funny. So, like, when I did 240, like, gen, like this is, I'd say I went for about six weeks where I front squatted maybe twice, but I did yeah. a lot of back squatting. And then I, I can remember I did, like, four sessions. I did, like, 200, and it was like, oh, no, I did 180 for, like, two or three reps, and I was like, this is fairly heavy. Then I did 200 for a triple, and I was like, this is easier. Yeah. Then I did, like, then the next session, I was like, oh, I can definitely get a PB, so I got 240. But it basically it was totally useless to my cleaning jerk because yeah. I hadn't done it concurrently with it. So to make a short story long, I would say three to four days between sessions for pretty much every powerlifter, uh, crossfitter, almost all weightlifters, unless you're yeah. looking at down the barrel of six to seven years experience, you're of a heavier body weight. So if you're 60 kilos, even though the like the relative loads yeah. are the same the actual loading is very very different and like at some stage actual loading is actual loading no matter how yeah. light or heavy you are but for lighter lifters weights are kind of and sometimes especially at squats they do feel heavier and it's easier to beat up your body yeah so then the only people who i'd recommend squatting four plus times a week three plus times a week would be fairly experienced weightlifters and if you are that then you don't need us telling you that because you no. know or you have someone more than likely telling you yeah but even then it's a like four is a good good amount for those kind of people for yeah, most people i'm gonna say of the people who try like a squat everyday program mm-hmm. i'm gonna say 98 out of 100 people Shunt. will make short-term pbs yeah so they'll get thrown into a group of making a short-term pb and then rebounding back once they stop squatting every day yeah or else they'll just get injured and not complete the program almost certainly yeah so like just kind of reiterate reiterate again it's the primary focus is to have strong legs for weightlifting, but I'd be totally lying if I said I wasn't trying to drive up my one RM. But it's a very long-winded way to do it, yeah. and it's not the most efficient way to do it. But it serves two purposes for me. Yeah, I think there's a reason the road to anywhere squat program is two days a week, and it's working incredibly well for yeah. people. We're we're going to get an average in a say maybe near the end of the year of all the people who've ran it, and I'm going to try to get rep PBs as well. So 
sometimes people know their rep PBs very well and other times people don't know them yeah but I'd say we're looking at an average of maybe 10 kilo PBs it's funny how nobody ever forgets their one RM nobody ever forgets it whereas you're like what have you done for three before like yeah. ah, maybe 180 yeah, but the, I can't remember like it's between 5 and 15 kilo PBs yeah all the time and what I seem to notice is some people who've run it again are better so they'll give it like two months and then if they run it again they still get PBs or even a little bit more because yeah. they built a good base the first time and something we're going to do is we're going to send to everyone and include in a few weeks or a few months after with the program is everyone's going to get a maintenance phase free of charge so everyone retrospectively yeah. will get it just so it's a bit of guidance for people yeah and it means like you have a takeaway so once you get the program yeah you have this takeaway you don't just learn how your body adapts to like that high volume phase mm. that you've made a pb from but yeah you learn that this is how well maintain strength this is how well gain strength again yeah this is what it'll take to get back to you and like we just want to give people i suppose the best possible product yeah. you can give them and that will make a massive difference so it'll be something like one to twice a week again something like that for maybe yeah. 10 to 12 weeks yeah yeah and then they'll be on their way to run the program again like so like we mentioned in the past someone ran it with front squats and yeah ran it with back squats and then two weeks later ran it with front squats lunatic mental oh, so we have an injury one so we're not going to answer that yeah so just as Gurf is looking for this next question I know we've said this before for the Q&A stuff ask us any question mm. but you can't ask us for medical advice no we can't <laughs> we can give you the advice but yeah. it won't be no like it's um, as much as we'd want to or like to, we it just can't. But we even we can't even give you good advice, and especially with no. injuries, something which are incredibly endogenous, it's um, yeah, almost impossible yeah. to the, give a sweeping. The sp- amount of inter-individual differences in yeah. injuries is gigantic. So I can tell you, if you have knee pain now, I can tell you, oh, this is what I did to get rid of patellar tendonitis. Yeah, this is how. Yep tendinopathy developed for me mm-hmm. uh, this is how long it took this is what I did that might be completely different than what takes you you might not even a lot of times people think they have tendinitis but they just have sore knees you know yeah. Um, like there's a reason people go to physios and spend eight weeks with the physio and not get any better yeah. more often than I think in the case where they do get better it's because yeah. no reflection on the physios but it's incredibly hard to try to figure out yeah what someone's doing, especially when they're in front of you. So for us to give you an answer, as big a spoofers as we are, it just <laughs> it just makes no sense. So next question: Will Lasha go conservative at Tokyo, secure gold, etc., or really crush them all? Two twenty to sixty-seven. I think by going conservatively, all or conservatively with mm-hmm. his lifts, he's still going to smash it. So I'm just checking what age he is because I think I think he's pretty young. He is. Oh, he's born. Same age as me, so he's 26. His 220 mm-hmm. at World yeah. looked like an opener. It was. Yeah, so easy. It's ridiculous. It was better than his opener. He did yeah. 208, and it wasn't as good. Yeah. I think like he's going to be... He's going to do lifts that will look extremely easy, technically perfect. Mm-hmm. They'll Everything will be great about them, and they'll still be north of 228, I think. I feel it, it's up to him really because he could decide after this Olympics so this is will, almost certainly will be a second goal barring any unforeseen circumstance yeah. so if he if he does get this he might decide 
okay, I'm going to finish now. Yeah. I'm just going to, and then he might go for a broke, or he might go for a third Olympics. And the way it's going now, and like Gabriel has mentioned that, and we'll talk about that later, um, and like Andre Ramno and stuff like that, is even when I started, no longer is it that when you turn 30, weightlifting is done for you, it seems. Yeah. Because people see, came hard and fast then. Careers are becoming a hell of a lot longer in weightlifting. So we've probably a better quality program worldwide across different coaches. Yeah. Um, a more conservative approach to their athletes. Like athletes are not as uh, dispensable as they used to be, especially in like yeah. Soviet blocs, China, countries like that. You know, no matter how much of it, uh, I won't say tiring you live in, but more how much of a, a regime you live in, it, we just, just gone are the days where during Soviet sports studies, you could just take people to depth jumps as high as you could and they broke their <laughs> legs, you know, and have nothing said about it. Whereas now when you've got someone like Lou, who's an absolute stallion, yeah, you've got to nurture them, no matter how many 1.2 billion, because the chances are a lot of kids just are like, and obviously like China, for example, has moved from... Uh, I think the 90s it was something like one in ten people are middle class or nine out of ten people are in poverty yeah and now it's the opposite nine out of ten are people are middle class and you and like you'd see with a lot of richer countries and like places like uh, Dubai and Qatar you know young people going to sport is minute yeah so you gotta treasure your athletes especially talented ones definitely and if there's if there's no reason they can't compete to 35 then you, you just it makes sense to nurture them yeah um, so Lasha I think I think when it's his last competition he'll do whatever he thinks he's capable of doing but it also might not be it might be out of his control yeah you know a lot of times we I think yeah. the lifts are going to be conservatively based yeah and they'll still be incredible you know something um, so it ties into another question we got there it said will Lasha get popped so incidentally Lasha was at the European Juniors I was at I saw him power snatch 170 actually and he tested as a child he tested positive with that competition yeah so he may he may decide that you know at some point what's the phrase I'm looking for he's kind of he's te- like he may he's kind of riding the lightning at some point you know yeah and he may want to decide it, like now is the time to to leave you know yeah especially with like the testing at the Olympics now um, if he let's say for example he tests positive in eight years retrospectively after this 2020 Olympics, right? Yes. If he stopped competing after the Olympics, no one gives a shit. Like, so with Tarokadi, no one gives a shit. It made no difference his business. It made, no. Tarokadi made an Instagram post. Uh, just nonsense. Like, no one cares. And in Georgia, no one's going to care either. But if Flash is still competing and he tests res- retrospectively or gets tests positive retrospectively, it'd be a case like Ilya where it's sensational, you know, it, it really, yeah, yeah, yeah. it really becomes something. Whereas if Lash is done in like eight years from now in 2028, yeah, he'll have his millions made. Georgia aren't gonna care. No yeah, one's gonna remember. Like, it's like the famous case of when Armstrong had won his sixth Tour de France's. Yeah, and then he went back for the seventh. Yeah, like nobody would have cared. No one's gonna care. Everybody knows cycling is dirty. Yeah, but going back and basically throwing it in their face mm-hmm. and then getting popped. Yeah, it, that's but, like yeah, that would be. And obviously, you know. Like I, someone asked me in one of my own Q&As, they said, is uh, Xi Zhang uh, Natty? And I said, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah. It's probably a massively genetically enhanced duck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you're looking at that thinking he's Natty, you probably need to reassess what professional sports are. So 
I think in no, Lash's yeah. case, it will be up to him if he wants to do those records because it genuinely like so. A lot of lifters, you're like, maybe if the stars align for him, but in Lash, it looks like he could just <laughs> do whatever he wants if he wants to do two thirty two seventy five. You yeah, hopefully he will. It would be an unbelievable spectacle for the sport. Um, next question: Technique drills to reinforce bent knee jerks, aside from just doing shit ton of jerks on light weights. So. Do they mean not locking out your back leg? Yeah, so how do you get that perfect knee bend position? I think... Which is probably the most common mistake on the split jerk positioning in yeah. from elite In terms amateur. of like the, the catch position being wrong. Even like I was watching like the Super Heavies today, like a lot of them had obviously but their heel was touching the ground with straight legs. Obviously that's not from their own choice, but yeah. it's a very common problem. Um, I think in terms of learning it, the first thing you should do starting off mm-hmm. is actually learn what the right position is. Yeah. So like holding a timber stick over your head in an overhead position and then getting yourself into the correct foot placement yeah. and then doing things like quarter split squats. Yeah. Moving that onto a full split squat and then moving that onto a front foot raised split squat where your foot is on a 20 kilo bumper plate. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that position feels really, really good. You're well grounded in that position and you've no movement restraints and then you can move on to your weightlifting technique drills. So obviously the person answered the question very, very well. Uh, when they asked the question aside from doing tons of lightweight jerks and that is your prime place to go yeah so before we Skype or we video called someone who had the same problem and as Dara put it you just need to be like a Nazi with those jerks and yeah. he, and like 10 minutes before and after each session he's practiced jerks with perfect technique and lo and behold yeah. it helped it made a <laughs> massive difference and that's the thing like it. that's the thing with any technical uh like any technical move you have to make in any sport, in any movement, yeah, you have to be super strict with yourself. Like you get into these bad movement patterns by allowing yourself to bend your arms early in the clean yeah, or by allowing yourself to just, oh, my jerk, my jerk looks great up until 95% and then my back leg straightens out. Yeah. Like then just don't go above 95%. So press from split is obviously a very good one. Yeah. Also another good one is every time you do a split jerk is to pause in the position. And so even if it's wrong, it's to readjust yourself yeah, and put yourself back in that position, which is a good one. Or push press from split. Or else, to be honest, my favorite thing for feet positioning drills yeah. is every time you have a, a free second. So if you're standing next to the microwave waiting for your food to get ready, you're just doing foot movement drills. Mm-hmm. If you're waiting outside the toilet, you're doing foot movement drills. If you're waiting at the gym before class starts foot movement drills and you constantly drill that and it's something that becomes second nature then when you start to warm up your feet are moving into that position a lot easier it's less cognitive load to put your feet in the right position Mm -hmm. then obviously when it gets heavier it's more autonomic you don't think about it it's just bang 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 every time do you you ever hear or read of that study where they had throwers so they had people who never did throwing and people who had some experience of throwing or something like that. And then they had the people who never did throwing what people do throws. So I think they initially, they started, they did, they gave them one session where they did a, I think it was discus or throwing or hammer, I'm not too sure. And then they had them sit in a dark room for however long and just imagine themselves throwing. Yeah. And then they increased their throw the next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so, hundreds of those studies. So yeah, there's obviously yeah. loads of them, but so but they have very good basis and... Yeah, like... Is it like practicing the movement is practicing the movement regardless of the weight at some stage yeah and like mental imagery obviously is no so there's action observation and mental imagery called AOMI and that's been shown in terms of like 
psychological skill training or mental skill training to be the most effective thing after practice. So obviously physical practice is extremely good, but then action observation combined with mental imagery mm -hmm. is very, very good after that. Okay. So it might be you going on Instagram, picking a lifter that's very technically good. Do you know who's a fantastic split jerk is Lasha. I was actually watching him today and his split jerk is what I would put in a textbook. Textbook. So his arms are a bit long, but we'll get over that. Everything is a bit long. But his leg positioning is yeah. absolutely ideal. Yeah, so and like good. when you're so when you're picking these things to watch, right? You don't want to watch Ilya doing two forty six mm -hmm. because his back foot caves in. I would not Ilya doing anything. No, because he's just a freak. Um, you don't want to watch. Oh, I'm actually not going to say that, but you don't want to watch certain classes of lifters because their technique mightn't be very very good. Juicy lifters. Yeah, you don't want to watch super heavies usually. Or the duck lifters. Because um, their techers aren't the best. Just pick someone who's pretty good. Yeah. A lot of the time, female lifters will have very, very good technique. Yeah. Especially for their jerks. Yeah. Watch them. Watch what they're doing. Pick somebody so you're consistently watching yeah. similar styles of jerk. And then imagine yourself doing it. So you can imagine it like as if you have the bar in your hands and you're looking out through your eyes. You can imagine it as if you're in the third person yeah. looking at somebody else doing it yeah. um, or else literally just imagine the feeling of it so it's not just a, a, a visual thing you're imagining it's the actual feeling of quads contracting so uh, which some there picture lashes there yeah it's perfect like that's a 264 kilos like and that's yeah. almost perfect so his front knee is just a tiny bit too far forward just a little bit on that yeah. one but he's a great one to look at if you're looking for anyone and you're not too sure yeah uh, another great one is uh, Chuo Hu Sing Chung she cleaned her from 40 at 59 your uh, ability to pronounce Chinese names is it's from the documentary ATG <laughs> did it's phenomenal also she's from Taipei and I don't think she wants to be called oh, Chinese oh yeah it's a bit that's a bit of an awkward one isn't it we'll move on to the next question there <laughs> uh, so the next one basically is they're wondering about squatting with narrow feet is it bad so they said is it bad to have too narrow stance in the back squat so so not like, is bad an interesting thing on this right right not obviously just as you said nothing is bad right if there's a reason to do it yeah so if you have somebody who's very posteriorly chain dominant mm -hmm. who tends to sit back a lot in their squat yeah has very vertical shins when they squat and isn't strong in their quads a very good fix to try and even them out and get stronger quads will be pull their feet in underneath their hips with their toes pointed straight ahead mm -hmm. get them squatting to just above parallel mm-hmm Go to my Instagram channel. You can see all my squats for the last four weeks have been like this. Well, you have a reason for that. Yeah, and like, obviously it looks weird when you see it on a video because everyone's like, why is squatting shallow, bro? Potty actually commented. Yeah, of course he did. Potty comments on everything. Dick. Um, so there's, there's very good reasons to do it. In terms of if you're just trying to squat the most amount of weight, yeah. it's not the best because you don't get recruitment from the glutes. Yeah. You don't get the same posterior chain recruitment. You get a lot of quad dominance. Yeah. Um, so if you're somebody who needs the quad work, use it for training. But it's not going to be your optimal squat. So if you look at something like the world's training hall videos, right? And you'll see all sorts of body shapes, mainly female yeah. doing squats. And almost never ever, even from the lightest female, will you never see anyone with a really narrow stance in the back squat unless they're doing an assistance exercise. And obviously... It's never bad to if nothing's really bad when you're back squatting as no. such if like the various It's all great. It's all great. <laughs> but for that kind of thing, obviously 
if you can do 250 kilos of that narrow stance, right, and then you go to a, a wider or normal stance in inverted commas and you end up doing like 180 and it yeah. feels rotten, then at that stage you can be like, okay, you know what, I'm pretty yeah. strong and I'm going to fucking yeah, stick yeah, with yeah. my... I have a quite a narrow stance, yeah. but it's more hip width. Slim old hips, I suppose. It's also to do with your like pelvic structure. Yeah, your Q angle or whatever. Yeah, so most of the time, Northern Europeans, our hips will naturally, our femurs will come out of our hips at a different angle. So if you see a lot of Asian lifters will have very narrow, this, this is just to paint everyone with one brush now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of Asian lifters will have a different hip structure. So you'll see a narrower stance, they'll have more toes straight ahead and they'll have heels very close together. Yeah. Whereas for Northern Europeans and for Americans, a lot of the time, you'll see wider stances with their toes out to the side, a lot more glute and hip recruitment. Mm-hmm. And that's just how their hips are made. Um, I think the only scenario now is if you're like squatting like 90 kilos. Yeah, yeah. And then it probably is bad because the likelihood yeah. is you're not the exception that proves the rule, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, next question. Should one follow a 12-week cycle always with GPP as the first four-week cycle? Uh, definitely. So I'm just going to check if he's a weightlifter or he's a powerlifter or someone. So just for the people who don't, I know we mentioned GPP a lot, but GPP is general physical preparedness. Delighted he used it. Yeah. So it's something we're really big fans of. Uh, it's like the basis of a lot of strength and conditioning and periodization and stuff. It's I think he's a weightlifter. High volume a lot of high work capacity stuff and it just gives you a really nice base to build your training block on top of four weeks every 12 weeks is is probably too much yeah uh, especially for so for weightlifting it definitely is too much because it takes so long to get into shape and turn, yeah. maintain thing, things I noticed in a YouTube video I said things T-I-N-G instead of things tins tins so tens there. <laughs> so for weightlifting f- every um, 12 weeks to four weeks is too much so if you really want to if you feel like it works well for you Go for it. But maybe you might want to do every two weeks, every 12 weeks, or more than likely, every four weeks, every like yeah. sh- four months, probably. What I'd prefer yeah. is if you take an actual off-season. Yeah. So if you know you're on holidays for a week or whatever, or two weeks. God forbid. You, you take a proper break. Yeah. Then you do a proper prep phase. Yeah. So you'll do maybe six, eight weeks of a, G- of a GPP phase. Yeah. And a lot of strength work. And then you go and you do your full season of weightlifting. Yeah. That's what I'd advise for kind of intermediate lifters who are going to compete that year yeah because realistically you don't have time to be cycling in and out of gpp and two weeks of gpp probably isn't enough to get a good adaptation from it mm-hmm. whereas if we can say look i'm going on holidays in july i'm going to come back in august do shitloads of general work capacity stuff yeah then i'll start weightlifting towards the end of september and then i have my competition season all the way through to like, april or march it could be even later than that if you yeah. want to so How do you think a strongman would do if they transferred and learned weightlifting technique? Example, Shaw. I would say probably shit because I'll give a few reasons for this. Uh, There's so many reasons. So if we start with, uh, let's say Shaw is an elite strongman, of course, and he's one of the best strongmen currently competing. So if if we want to say how would he do in terms of would he be an elite weightlifter? And the answer is definitely not, I would say. First of all, because lifts take so long to get really truly good at yeah like realistically Shaw was maybe Shaw is probably annoying just a nitpick on Shaw but he, he just mentioned him Shaw is too old to transfer he's like 36 now or something yeah. and I know we just talked about it but Lou has say 
20 odd years or 25 odd years more he, no he started later okay he started in his teens so the vast amount as the story goes yeah. start when they're like 8 or 9 so Shaw would want at least 10 years to learn it realistically but I would say maybe if he did he could spend 3 or 4 years and end up doing like a 150 snatch yeah. like maybe 200 clean jerks thing yeah they'd be ropey enough but he could definitely learn it if he wanted to but you know it's always with the way when you see like those American footballers like hang power cleaning 210 or something or 200 kilos and everyone's like, oh, they'd be classed the weightlifting. Yeah. They probably wouldn't. No. Uh, like, in no. terms of the sport yeah. and the morphology required for the sport, these guys are usually north of 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so Definitely near the elite. They're huge men. They're north of 140 kilos a lot of the time. A lot of the time, a lot further north of that. Oh, they're like 180, 190, if, you yeah. can, if they can be. And then you look at their, like, moving constraints. So they're... If they're doing squats, they have a super wide stance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're squatting fairly shallow. Not to talk shit, I don't give a fuck about how deep they squat. Yeah, yeah. But the mobility to catch a snatch all the ways under probably isn't going to be there. When you see them pressing weights overhead, they don't usually have a great lockout. Yeah. Um, they're probably fucked as When well. they hold the bar in the front rack, the bar floats when yeah. it's like 200 kilos. They're, like, they're, they're not built to be weightlifters. And their body's definitely wrecked. Yeah, and this, like the clear. same way if a weightlifter wanted to go and become a strong man, they'd have to become a foot taller. Yeah. They'd have to gain 60 kilos. Easily. They'd have to tighten up all their movements. So yeah. like having a great overhead position isn't going to be great for being a uh, strong man because in theory it's great to heel dip and drive and, and push jerk a log. Yeah. Realistically, they're not going to, right? Yeah. Because that log will be resting somewhere on their shoulders instead of floating in a really tight rack position. And then when it gets overhead, they're probably going to hyperextend an elbow and then crush it with whatever giant log they're lifting. You know what I think they probably could do a huge lift in is snatch grip push press behind yeah, the neck, obviously. Oh my God. They'd probably do a massive. So if all, they had like a really long deadlift bear and they could reach their hands out. Yeah. yeah. Like for sure, like half yeah, They yeah, could yeah. probably do something ginormous, like probably 250, 260. Yeah. Like we saw Larry Wills do 500 pounds in that. And he's more athletic than the usual powerlifter. But I'd say like the strongman would be even more athletic again. So yeah. I'd imagine they'd do something crazy. Or yeah. even Snatch Grip Jerk or something like that. And it, like, it's not to discount or to take away from no. the incredible athleticism of Shangmen. Um, it's just those sports don't really tally too well together. So next question is, will Lasha get popped? I wouldn't, I'm going to say... <laughs> Did he not just answer this? No, we asked a different question. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say... Um, so if you listen to our podcast with Nat Arm, or the owner of Hook Grip... Yeah. He, we asked him about so he's very close to a lot of weightlifters and a lot of situations and he gets the lowdown he's been to all the international competitions or all the big ones and he says what he feels like not is going to happen or what will happen but he thinks it could happen is that there's going to be a second coming of almost uh, uh, another inquisition coming Yeah. where we'll see so we've seen like from what we can see now Russia is basically done yeah. from what it looks like um for now or forever, who knows? But it seems like now, like once once a weightlifting kind of community or culture dynasty, that's a great word for it, goes. I'd say there's a it's a very little chance that they will come back to former glory and not under scrutiny of the social media age we live in. Yeah. So Nat thinks that places like Georgia, Iran, Armenia, um, Belarus maybe maybe not Belarus, maybe a lot of those China at some stage there's gonna be a more of a and it's going to be worse this time because we, when I say we, they were like whoever was told to clean up their acts, you know. Uh, I'd say there's a, um, I don't know from IWF competitions, there's no way he'll get popped from those. I just don't see it happening. 
but retrospectively the Olympics yeah. I'd say it's fair game yeah it depends what the so what I heard I can't remember who was telling me but it might have been just the IOC squeezing the IWF after 2016 or before 2016 yeah just to put the pressure on to get some money. I think a much more poignant question on this point is will weightlifting actually be in the Olympics for Lasher to get popped yeah it is no I mean in eight years time oh yeah well it's guaranteed for 2024 okay and so after that I assume it will continue to be unless like so like the last few competitions say some from 2015 onwards 2016 when all that kind of popping started weightlifting was boring and it was it was boring because weightlifting was boring yeah but now it's worrying because there were some really good results from this and um, that's worrying in and of itself <laughs> Like greatest of all time results, like best ever. What did you say earlier? If it looks like a duck, it, walks it sounds like a, duck. like a duck. It walks like a duck. So it's probably to, a fucking duck. There used to be there used to be a rule that um, anytime anyone set a world record, there was like a Murphy's law that like uh, I remember Gregor said this that uh, a Bulgarian did it at a lighter body weight and a heavier <laughs> clean and jerker snatch. <laughs> but that's not so true anymore for some of the world records like yeah. lashes and stuff. So I I hope he doesn't. But there's a good chance after the Olympics if if he's still tipping around. I think a very important point to note before we move on. From obviously, this. obviously, we don't know he's on drugs, okay? Yeah. Uh, we don't know. But that wasn't actually the point. Or was it not? Um, the point is, what a lot of people mightn't realise, or you might realise, but just not how prominent this is, that most of the time people get popped, it's because of a political yeah. power reason. We, uh, um, yeah. And like that's on very, very, very good authority. Yeah, very good. From author. the horse's mouth of a few horses. Yeah, <laughs> so which was mind blowing for us. And, and it's it's seeing behind the curtain in a major way that we'll, um, we'll probably move swiftly on. Yeah, that uh, it's probably not to do with their protocols. It's probably to do with yeah. That how was much, that's something I always wondered. How much pull, or more importantly, how much capital they'll put in. Bit of a thought-provoking question now for you. Yeah. Oh. I feel like you like this oh. now. Biggest mistake new coaches make. <laughs> oh, there's so many. I'd say. Are we going to say weightlifting or or general CrossFit? Um, Click on that dude's account. It's a lady. Um, Click on that dude's account. Why is it changing your answer an awful lot? Yeah. So think she's just a weightlifter yeah it looks like to be just a weightlifter yep so i'd say for uh weightlifting the biggest mistake new coaches make is probably trying to push their lifters too hard so you don't often see actually no most new coaches have the clue that's probably the easiest <laughs> way to put it i'm gonna say something different go for it i'm gonna say a lot of the time with new coaches they and like I'm, I'll include myself in this, you get so caught up in wanting these complexes and these movements and, and yeah. these like particular set of exercises that we've seen other people do or we might have read about or we might have seen studies on and we want to try and reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. and we have to realise that the sport of weightlifting has had people training in it for a very long time and we've yep. been making people strong for a very long time um, and weightlifters need to do snatches clean and jerks and you need to squat heavy weight fairly regularly and a lot of the time we we will throw the baby out with the bath water because we'll say oh well 
they've got to be doing no contact muscle snatches. Mm-hmm. But then they mightn't snatch every week, you know, or they'll, geez, they have to be doing power cleans from the hang because they'll produce more power and they're not powerful enough athletes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But then they're never doing full cleaning jerks. I'm That's sure. definitely, I'd say, the number one mistake. I'm looking for something a bit more um, existential here. Uh, Dave Tate had a basically something I saw years ago on T Nation. <laughs> it was basically like. This, Are you trying to find it? It was a circle of life, but for coaching. And it basically started out with um, when you start coaching, you think you know everything. Yeah. As you move on, you know less. Then you, a few years later, basically, you know a lot of stuff and you have a lot of experience. And then you came again and you've really experienced and then you realise you know nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there's two falls. <laughs> yeah. So I if we're gonna touch on CrossFit here for a sec. Go on. I can um, see it rearing. Yeah. So I've actually thought about this a lot in the past. Yeah. In terms of coaches or coaches who are getting into competition programming for CrossFit, yeah. I think the number one mistake everybody makes or mm. a lot of people will make is that they do the squirrel thing where they run around Try and do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's not how you make good athletes. No. We need to make people strong. We need then need to pick a set of skills for each training block. And we need to get them better at those. Yeah. And then they need to touch each of the skills regularly enough. But like, I think a lot of the time people will be like, oh, I'm going to do uh, CrossFit or weightlifting one-on-one. Then I'm going to put that with... Uh, whatever jack gymnastics yeah and then i'm going to put the conditioning program from whatever rowing program like that you need to pick a strength block yeah you need to do that then they need to be doing their accessory work and they need to do a certain amount of conditioning every week that's it they probably take for granted that people retain way more of what they get than they think they will yeah and so when you retain a lot of that it comes back a lot faster like if you look at like some of those old Chinese coaches squatting that time doing videos and stuff and they're something like 180 and <laughs> in stuff. In their like slides. Yeah, like so it don't take it for granted that your athletes will retain a lot of stuff and then when they need to bring it back if they've spent a solid amount so only if they've spent a solid amount of time learning that skill. So if you've gone like okay for 12 weeks now and you've done this for like you or say six weeks and you've done it four times throughout the year yeah if they've done six weeks of just handstand push-ups they're going to retain a lot of ability to, to do that yeah or if you do six months where at the start of every class you skip for five minutes you'll get people who are very very proficient at skipping yeah um obviously so we're coming up on the end of what we said we'd do for this so um, pick a belt for the end jesus there's a few um <laughs> let me see what that last one is there um talk about something else there while I'm looking. Um what are we gonna talk about? Alright. Um pick a number between we'll just go random. Because they're fairly decent. How many? Actually no, between one and four. Three. Okay. Actually no. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Um how is that no, no, actually no. No, 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 no. One. No, I'll give you one actually you might like, I think. Okay. Is a slow pull, slow first pull in the snatch a result of poor positioning, mobilities, or more pulls? A slow first pull is probably a good thing. No, so they're asking, okay. But they're wondering, why would you have a slow first pull? Not on purpose. No, No, as a a bad thing? Like, they're like, oh, Jesus, it's so heavy off the floor. Uh, See, this is a very difficult one to answer, right? Yeah. 
because yes. a fast first pull doesn't mean you're going to have a good snatch. Mm-hmm. We get very, very little um, carryover between the velocity, the bear passes, or knee at, and it being a good lift. So a lot of the time we get lifters to slow down their first pull. Um, I think if you have a very, very slow pull off the floor and it's becoming inhibitive, it's probably because your hips are too low and you're trying to sit in a position you might have seen some elite lifters set up in, mm-hmm. but they don't actually pull the bear. Like Toshiki. Yeah, so you'll see them sit way, way back, chest up, knees out in front of the bear. He's an um, A to G squat, basically. Yeah, and then they pull. But when they pull, their ass shoots back, just or Li Sheng as well does it, and it's so pronounced, where you like sit back, then pull his ass up and pull, and people don't realize that's what's happening. Who? Li Li Cheng, the jacked dude, very light lifter. I think he's Japanese. Wasn't that Worlds this year? That name could be completely wrong. That sounds made up. Is he Japanese, is it? Yeah. I'm going to find him here. You're fine. So I would say, so a lot of times... I think. Sometimes when you do a slow... I'm not usually wrong. <laughs> well, I'm never wrong on my podcast. <laughs> my podcast. <laughs> my podcast. Lee Sang. Lee Sang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like he pulls slow because I think it's heavy. Yeah. So I find sometimes if you pull slow from the floor in the snatch... It actually gives you more time to pull like a motherfucker. Yeah. So the the acceleration and weightlifting goes fast and then faster. Yeah. So it's not faster. The it's definition faster. of the snatch is an uninterrupted accelerated pull from the floor. Yeah. So you can't reach max acceleration as soon as you leave the floor. No. And like at no point during the pull should the bear slow down. The bear should continue to get faster and faster and faster mm-hmm. until you make contact with your hip. So unless you're a freak and you can pull at maximum or very, very fast speed from the floor. And it go very, very, very fast when it gets to your hip. So if you think of like your max speed being five, you don't want to pull at five from the floor. No. You want to pull at two to three or maybe even one, depending yeah, on one, how you two, feel. Three, four, five. So a lot of times as well, we want to move the bar with our legs first. So if you pull really fast from the floor, chances are you're going to use your back too much and not your legs enough. Yeah. So I would pull a little bit slower so you can kind of squeeze with your legs off the ground. Yeah. And then let loose when you get about the knee. Um, so in kind of like trends in weightlifting. Trend? Trends. All right. Uh, we, at the moment, we're seeing this thing where people love that chest up and knees out position. Mm-hmm. They love that. Like if you go into Reddit weightlifting, all the form checks are like small dudes yes. doing super vertical pulls. Actually, that's very their true. their knees way out. It sure is. And that's... Uh, Look, that's a good position for a certain it section of the population. Looks like lashes. Yeah, but realistically, it's not going to be the textbook position that you teach the beginner. Because mm. you want knees a bit further forward. You want their toes to be pointed a bit straighter because they get more quad recruitment, because they're more powerful than when they're at the power position at the hip. Like, unless you have a tiny torso, <laughs> it's not that useful for you. No. And, and tiny femurs. Yeah, both of those. Yeah. Because, like, if you have a problem of getting... If your torso is really short, it's hard for you to stay over the bar, get yeah. over the bar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. We're going to have a Q&A out very soon again after this. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>